Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Merry Christmas to all of you as we're preparing for uh, the Christmas holiday this week. And uh, we're very excited about that, of course, is celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, this is an interesting week in Ohio. We are getting some snow in northeast Ohio and throughout Ohio, so just in time for the holiday. And we do want to remind you about the book that I wrote this last year. Uh, actually, was released in November called For Their Honor, How the D-Day Prayer Was Added to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., uh, many of you know that we dedicated the prayer monument in Washington on the Mall in June on D-Day with members of the Park Service, the Friends, and uh, Senator Portman, other dignitaries. World War II veterans were there, and we were honored to be there as well. This was a project of the Ohio Christian Alliance. We started it in 2011, and finally we're able to have mission accomplished with the prayer added as a permanent addition to the Mall in Washington at the World War II Memorial, in tribute to all of our all of our veterans, of course, the World War II veterans, but to all of our veterans. So uh, the book is uh, written to tell the story, and uh, I think you'll find it to be very interesting. There's some great stories from veterans that we've met along the way, the 11-year journey, and uh, continue to meet World War II veterans uh, who are late in their 90s. I met a couple gentlemen uh, that were 97, 98 years old, and uh, they're doing pretty well. They were at a what was called a truce ball, which is a uh, uh, an annual event of Crew 44. That's a reenactment group. And down in Canton, they had a wonderful time with a uh, big band that was there called the Moonlight Serenaders. Uh, Charlie Reinhardt, World War II veteran. He's uh, I think he's approaching 99 years old now. He was in the Battle of the Bulge, served with General Patton, and uh, Charlie was out on the dance floor, <laughs> and he was the bell of the ball. Uh, of course, he was in his wheelchair, but uh, I'll tell you, he is so vivacious and uh, such an encouragement, and he, he really raised the spirits of everybody there. There was other, four other World War II veterans that were there as well. They're doing quite well for being nearly 100 years of age, uh, but they're still with us. In fact, there's about 120,000 World War II veterans still living in the United States, and um, Anyways, the book is available at uh, Barnes & Noble, also Amazon. You could see it, uh, uh, some of the links at our website at ohioca.org, or go to ddayprayerproject.org, and uh, there's where you can find it. Again, also uh, uh, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million, a number of uh, book outlets you can buy online. And we hope that you will take the opportunity to do that. Again, some great stories from World War II veterans that I think that will be a blessing to you. Well, I want to talk this week about House Bill 68. This is legislation that was passed that uh, both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate that would uh, ban uh, hormonal treatment and sex change surgeries. Think about this. This is for minors. This isn't for adults. Uh, and State Representative Gary Click, who is on this program, other sponsors, and we have one of the co-sponsors on the bill with us on the phone. His name is Reggie Stolfsfus. And he is a state representative from the 50th district uh, down in the um, Stark County area. And actually, Reggie has a big announcement because 
He has filed papers to run in the 6th Congressional District. Many of you know that our good friend Bill Johnson has retired from Congress. Uh, He's in his last uh, month or so, and he is going to be the new president of Youngstown State University. Bill's been a frequent guest on this program, but he's leaving Congress. That's an open seat. And Reggie is a good, strong conservative. He's running for this seat. Reggie, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on today. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Well, again, congratulations on your announcement. Uh, you've jumped into the fray. It's going to be a primary. There'll be a few other challenges, challengers in the Republican primary, but uh, the primary is March 19th. It's coming very quickly. Uh, it's going to be a very short campaign. Of course, this is a presidential year as well, and the 6th Congressional District takes in a number of counties. It goes all the way down to Marietta, Ohio, and Washington County, all the way up to Mahoning County along the Ohio River. Um, tell us a little bit of why you've jumped into the race. Well, that's a great question, Chris, and I appreciate it. So when uh, Congressman Johnson announced he was you know, not going to re-up and he was going to retire, um, my first instinct was to find a good conservative candidate that I could get behind, Chris. And uh, I looked up all the people that I knew that would make a good fit to run for this seat, and, uh, and 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 my name was on that list as well. And as I started making my phone calls, I soon found out that there were very few people that were interested in running for this seat. So it really boiled down to I was the last one on the list, and uh, I threw my hat into the ring. So here we are, Chris. We're we're, we're ready to go, and we're gonna we're gonna run a hard race, and we're gonna win. Well, again, congratulations on your candidacy for uh, the 6th Congressional. And let me just say this. Thank you for being willing to run. I think a lot of people who consider going to Washington these days or serving in Congress, they know that it's a very arduous task. Uh, These are not civil times. Uh, There's there's great divide in our country uh, within, within the two political system. We actually, on the political left, it's not your grandfather's Democratic Party. It's literally a Marxist-style uh, party that is uh, basically win at all means and at any cost, and um, they I- ignore the laws, and they actually are, are c- creating quite a uh, terror in our country. We see the crime in the inner cities. We see uh, the breakdown of um, basically the civil construct of a, of a civil society. And the political left is pushing this. Uh, that's not to say everyone, of course, on the political left, but many of them. The, in fact, a lot of what we call the blue dog Democrats were taken out uh, by their own party. And there's very, very few of them uh, that would be moderate or re- reasonable. And so you have really hard leftists. And so when you're running to to go to Congress, you're going to face that. So we, we appreciate you being willing to serve again it's not an easy go, and I know that I've talked to a number of congressmen. Uh, you, you have to travel. You have to be away from your family, but you'll be representing your district. Uh, but, again, you have a primary and then a general election. But, again, uh, thank you for being well to serve, and I tell that to everybody these days because that's how our representative form of government works, is by our fellow uh, citizens and our, our neighbors being willing to run for public office and, and uh, represent the uh, people. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have to have good people that step up and stand in the gap for us, especially for us believers, right? 
Um, it's very important we have good representation in Washington, D.C. You know, people ask me, do you really want to go to Washington, D.C.? And, and the answer is, I don't really want to hang out in Washington, D.C. You know, that, that's not my, my dream job. But I do want the good people of the 6th District, the conservative, God-fearing people of the 6th District, to be represented well, Chris. And it's important that we get somebody in this seat that's a good conservative, that's got a proven track record, and that's me. I'm the guy, Chris. Well, we appreciate you being willing to run and serve uh, if uh, the people of the district uh, choose you as their representative. Let's talk about the 6th District. It can. It includes Mahoning County, Columbia County, uh, half of Stark County, Carroll County, half of Tuscaroras County, Jefferson, Harrison, Belmont, Monroe, Noble, and Washington. And this signal of this station goes all the way down in those areas. So, again, if you're in the 6th District uh, in those counties, uh, this is a gentleman you want to look at his campaign. This is Reggie Stolfsfus. Uh, tell us how they can find you on the web and, and look at your website and what uh, your campaign's about, Reggie. Thank you, Chris. So my campaign website is reggieforohio.com, and they can look me up online there and see where I stand on the issues. You know, the way we're going to run this campaign is we're going we're gonna to tell people who I am, tell my story, and, uh, you know, show people my voting record. Um, you know, that that's how you run a campaign is you show people who you are and let the people decide the best, the best choice. And, and that's our plan, Chris. And I think, you know, as they say, the cream will rise to the top. I think the cream will rise to the top in this campaign as well, too. Well, that's right. And one of the uh, things that you've done in the house, you're pro-life, you're pro-family, you're conservative house bill 68 uh, is the bill that passed both the Ohio house and the Ohio Senate. It is the Ohio SAFE Act. It's legislation that would protect minors from um, uh, surgeries and hormonal treatment that would um, basically try, you know, uh, those who would like to uh, transition their sexual identity. And again, a lot of these kids are influenced by psychologists and others that are pressuring them. We're talking about minors, anybody under the age of 18. And the, the committee heard from many testimonies of people, young people, that had gone through this at various stages, and some of them, unfortunately, life-altering surgeries, changing their sex. And these young people bravely came in and talked about, stop it, don't let it happen. Uh, I was, I was uh, influenced into it. I was fooled. Uh, I was pressured. I mean, Reggie, when you heard those testimonies, it was heartbreaking to hear these people's stories. And it's 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 altered their life for the rest of their lives. Your thoughts? Well, you're exactly right, Chris. And and you know, if you think about an adolescent, um, and where they are at in their life and their decision making process in their life, I mean, this is a life altering decision that that uh, is being made, right? And to put this choice in the hands of a child to change their life forever, their trajectory of life forever you know, is, is wrong. Um, you know, if they want to make this choice when they're an adult, when they've had time to reason things out and talk to folks and understand the consequences of their decisions, by all means, that's their right. You know, that's the right as an American to do what they want to do. But as an adolescent, you know, kids just don't, don't understand the ramifications of their decisions. Um, so 
it, it's really foolish to to allow somebody who who just doesn't understand that to make such a, a large decision like that that is going to you know going to going to be with them for the rest of their life and it's life altering you can't you can't go back once you do it it's done so it's it, it's a good bill i'm glad the the house and the senate passed it you know i'm hopeful the governor will sign this bill in the law and protect our young children and you know i do feel for these for these young people i mean they're they're influenced they are land blasted with social media they are you know they're put through the ringer like we can't even imagine it's it's a lot different growing up today than it was even 10 years ago and the, these these kids are just the social media all this nonsense is just it's just confusing them you know chris and and we got the breakdown in the family which is is not helping this situation at all so you know again i hope the governor gets on board with this this will be a, a big win for Ohio children. That's right. This legislation, we're talking about House Bill 68, the Ohio SAFE Act, uh, will protect minors from life-altering surgeries and hormonal treatments that are being pushed by sociologists in public schools and in certain health clinics. Uh, The Ohio SAFE Act uh, passed both the Ohio House and Senate. Uh, It has great provisions in this bill that would basically uh, stop these hospitals from... I can't believe our children's hospitals are actually... There are some surgeons actually doing this where they're castrating uh, children, uh, transitioning their sex. I mean, really, sexual mutilation is what we're talking about, and it's unheard of. It's unthinkable that this is happening, but under the guise of uh, gender dysphoria. And, folks, that's what the committees heard in both um, the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And, by the way, Representative Stolzfus was there uh, when this bill was first introduced last session, he's been a co-sponsor throughout, and we want to thank you for that, Reggie, because uh, it's because of you and others that are championing this bill is why it's just on the threshold of becoming law. But not yet. The governor has to sign it or at least allow it to go into law uh, by the 10-day uh, extension that he has. Uh, and, folks, let me give you a phone number to call the governor uh, because of as the airing of this program, he has not signed the bill as of yet. Uh, the number is 614-466-3555. Again, that's 614-466-3555. And just call Governor uh, DeWine's office and urge him to sign House Bill 68, the Ohio SAFE Act. Uh, Reggie, when we look at some of the pro- provisions of this bill, a physician from, uh, it prohibits a, a physician, a doctor, from knowingly performing gender reassignment surgery, which is not permitted in Ohio's Children's Hospital, and from knowingly providing hormonal replacement therapy drugs to transgender patients who are under age 18. So right as these kids are going into puberty, they're giving them, giving them these drugs of uh, hormone blockers. I mean, I can't think of anything more drastic and, quite honestly, I think dangerous. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, again, it's it's uh, it's a sad state that some of these kids are in, and, and I feel for them. You know, our society, again, social media is just um, plaguing them with um, bullying, and, you know, they're in a bad spot to begin with. So they're searching for their identity, and, you know, there's a door there that says, you know, Maybe your identity isn't this. Maybe it's that. So let's open that door. And and you have folks that are willing to open that door for them. Um, so with this bill, 
you know, we're going to close that door so that, you know, those folks can can help them in other ways, you know, outside of giving them puberty blockers or any type of surgery, but, but actually help them, you know, mentally, because that, that's what these kids need. They need guidance mentally. And, uh, and, and, and then when they're of age, if they still feel like that and they want to make that life-altering decision, you know, by, by all means that they're an adult, they're, they're, they're an American. Again, we are free to do what we want to do, and we're adults, and we can make decisions um, for ourselves at that time, Chris. This bill also covers um, males from competing against women in sports, does it not? <clears throat> yes, we amended the Save Women's Sports Act into House Bill 68 as well. So it does it does prohibit um, biological males from competing on female sports teams, which is a big win. I mean, we have fought this battle for five years. Since I've started in the legislature, I carried this bill for the past four years. And, uh, you know, my, my colleague Jenna Powell has been another champion of this bill as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's a great bill. I've got daughters who played basketball and, you know, it's rough enough with just girls playing, right? When, when you throw a, a male into that mix, um, it can get rough. And, you know, when we give, when we give rights to a few, we're stripping away the rights of thousands. Um, so that's why we need this bill. And that's why we, we need the governor to sign this bill, Chris. Male and female created he them. Uh, the difference between male and female is how God designed it. And uh, women's sports needs to be honored and it needs to be protected. Uh, those parading as women, men, trying to get into women's sports is a travesty. And it's an injustice to those who have trained all their lives to try to get to the collegiate level. You had Riley Gaines. She was the young lady uh, was the, the collegiate uh, champion uh, swimmer who had to go up against Leah Thompson. That, all that is is a make-believe name. It was He, he had his full uh, gender package uh, as a male and then wanted to tra- change in the dressing room with these women, and Riley testifies that no one notified us, nobody warned us that he was going to be doing that, he, she, and then he ends up winning. He couldn't win in the men's team. I, I can't even believe Reggie we're talking about this. This is this is why you know you going to Congress at this time, and you've already dealt with this at the state house for you said five years. Um, I got to tell you, the times have gotten away from me a little bit. I've been in public policy for twenty two years, but I even told our our good friend, State Representative Gary Click, who's a pastor like I am that these are subjects I never thought we would be dealing with, uh, where people are confused about their uh, identity as their gender. Oh, maybe I'm not a man. Maybe I'm a woman. Maybe I'm not a woman. Maybe I'm a man. And again, all of this is the devil's lie, and it's being thrust upon our young people, and it's literally destroying their lives. And we heard that testimony of people that were teenagers that started taking the puberty blockers some of them, unfortunately, had life-altering surgery, but boldly came in to testify to committee telling their stories that have now transitioned back to their gender birth, uh, you know, as they were as their uh, birth assignment of gender. 
and then testify before committee. I got to tell you, that was what was so powerful. We sent that out to our folks so that they could hear from these people, because I thought that that was a slam dunk, as they say. That was conclusive evidence. That was game, set, match. Once you hear that, there is no rebuttal to that. Reggie, your thoughts? Well, Chris, I totally agree with you. Um, You know, when you have somebody that's gone through it and then is testifying, saying, hey, this is a bad decision, you know, don't do this, um, you know, you can't find any better evidence than that. Unfortunately, we have those on the far left that don't listen to that, that don't heed um, those testimonies, and they, they have their own agenda in place. And, and we're going to continue to battle that agenda um, forever because that's just what uh, we do here. And uh, there's always going to be that far-left agenda. If it's not this, it's the next thing. And uh, believe me, there's something else coming down the pike. There always is. So we just got to keep fighting, Chris. And, uh, you know, good will always overcome evil. And I just got to stand on that. Well, that's right. Well, Reggie, uh, it's been great having you on the program. And again, congratulations on your candidacy for the 6th Congressional District. He's running as a Republican in the primary. The primary will be March 9th. Uh, things are going to get quick, going very quickly, and he filed his paperwork today. There will be other contenders, I'm sure, jumping into that race. It's an open seat since state re- uh, excuse me, Congressman Bill Johnson has retired from Congress and is going to be the new president of Youngstown State University. And to find and to follow Reggie's uh, campaign for Congress, it's reggieforohio.com. Again, that's reggieforohio.com. Dot com. I pulled it up myself. It came up very quickly, uh, which is good. <laughs> it's always good to get uh, the search engines going on your site. Uh, so just, uh, just a couple minutes here left. Uh, Reggie, tell us about what you're going to be doing in the campaign to get out there and meet with voters. Absolutely, Chris. You know, our, our goal is to get across the 11 counties that the district consists of and meet as many folks as we can and, and tell our story, you know. And, and meet with elected officials and, and get them to know the Reggie Stolzfus that I really am. I mean, that's our goal. And, uh, again, at the end of the day, it's up to the voters to decide. And, and we're trying to make the case that, you know, I am the best candidate. I am the most conservative voting candidate. And I have the record to prove that. So, you know, we're hopeful for a win, Chris. And uh, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. Well, thank you for being our guest today, and we'll have you back on again as the uh, campaign heats up uh, in January, February. We'll have you back on with us. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. God bless you, my friend, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. Well, if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. And again, if you've not been able to get the book yet, uh, For Their Honor, How the D-Day Prayer Was Added to the World War II Memorial, it's available on our website. And if you'd like to make a year-end contribution to the Ohio Christian Alliance to help keep us on the air, and we're going to be very busy in the new year, there's going to be primary voter guides in the 6th and the 2nd District, and of course a presidential primary coming up with all the members of Congress up, and the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate as well. 
So it's going to be a very busy election year. The Ohio Christian Alliance surveys all the candidates running for office, and we publish the results in an educational voter guide. We make that available on our website, also on Facebook, Twitter, and we make it available by way of email and also print editions. They're available for your church. And this is going to be the March primary, and then, of course, the general election of 2024. All that information is available on our website at ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, stay tuned. On the other side, we're going to hear from our good friend Bill Fetter, and he's going to talk to us about uh, the great Christmas carols that uh, we've sung throughout the years, and he's going to tell us the background and history of them. Merry Christmas to you and blessings to you and your family. May the Lord bless your house this Christmas season. God bless. This is Chris Long, host of News and Focus, announcing my new book, For Their Honor. How the D-Day Prayer was added to the World War II Memorial. This book tells the 11-year story of how one of the largest mass prayers in history was added to the World War II Memorial. The D-Day Prayer was one of FDR's fireside chats, but it stands alone as an incredible moment in American history. The date was June 6, 1944. Operation Overlord, the D-Day invasion of Western France, was already underway by the Allied nations. News reports throughout the day were released from General Eisenhower's headquarters with short statements but with few details on what was happening with the landings and on the beaches of France. The American public anxiously awaited throughout the day to hear from President Roosevelt for more details on the historic invasion. What they heard that evening was a president inviting them to join him in prayer. This book will inspire and encourage your faith. You can order yours today at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It will make a great Christmas gift. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. From fighting wildfires with air support, helping civilians in flooded neighborhoods, to delivering food and supplies to those who have lost everything, the Army National Guard always responds when disaster strikes. The Army National Guard also trains to be ever vigilant against threats, foreign and domestic. They protect our skies with missile defense weaponry. They secure our information, communications and infrastructure with cybersecurity. And they protect us against chemical, biological and radiological hazards with the civilian support team. The Army National Guard also stands ready to deploy and provide support for conflicts or humanitarian missions abroad. Join the Army National Guard and be there to respond, protect, and support your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
Well, Merry Christmas to you and welcome to this edition of News in Focus, the great carols of uh, the season, of the Christmas season, of course, the great carols of our faith. Reading from Isaiah chapter six of chapter nine and verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, welcome to the program. We're going to talk today about the carols of the faith uh, and, of course, of the season. And, of course, the the old uh, Christmas carols were really loaded with Scripture, and they actually were uh, written from a foundation of our faith. Here to talk to us about it is our good friend Bill Fetter of the American Minute and uh, also an advisor of the Ohio Christian Alliance Committee, and Bill speaks all across the uh, country also as a uh, as a speaker and historian and, a, and an author. Bill, welcome to the program. Chris, great to be with you. Well, and Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Well, Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. Well, Bill, I, I was uh, looking at one of the posts that you put up about uh, Charles Wesley, and of course he was the one who wrote this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, when we think about really the great uh, hymns of our faith and and those with christmas themes in them uh these authors uh from their you know uh, christian leaders put it to, uh uh really doctrine to pen we don't see that in today's contemporary christian music too much uh but really and of course a lot of uh, the the uh radio stations will just play uh the instrumentals we don't actually hear this the uh, words but the words are powerful and they're uh, really, the uh, uh, strong orthodoxy in the script within uh, these Christmas carols. Your thoughts? Well, there really is, and I love the verse in Mark where it says, "The Son of uh, God came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many." And that is such a important theme that comes out in a lot of these Christmas carols that that God is a just God. He cannot help it. That's him. He's just, which means he has to judge every sin. And uh, in a sense, that's been implanted in us so much that every police drama you see on TV starts off with an injustice done in the first two minutes, right? NCIS, somebody's killed. You're held, held captive the rest of the hour wanting the person that did it to be brought to justice. You just know they got to get caught. And so God, uh, when there's a sin, he feels this pull to have to judge it. Well, what did he, what did he do? He himself provided the lamb to take the judgment for the sin. And so Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus voluntarily became the lamb, took the punishment for all of our sin. And so we can approach God not based on us being good enough to go to heaven. We're not good enough, but he was good enough to give his life a ransom for many. So that's what we celebrate at Christmas, and that's what comes out in so many of these classic Christmas themes, that God and sinners reconciled. Well, that's right. And, of course, uh, it was Charles Wesley who wrote uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, actually one of my favorites. And, uh, of course, his brother John Wesley was the famed evangelist, and really Charles was an evangelist as well. But really, he was the worship leader of that uh, great movement, the Wesleyan movement, uh, which was so instrumental, of course, in laying the foundation uh, for the Great Awakening in this country, which uh, eventually led to the Revolutionary War period, in which uh, uh, you know the colonists did not want to be subjugated in tyranny under Great Britain, but wanted to uh, experience that freedom that the Pilgrims, of course, came forward 
1620, which we're about to celebrate here in just a few years, the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims' Landing in Plymouth. But, um, of course, the, the Great Awakening, the seeds of it, was the, the Wesleyan Revival. What your thoughts on that? Yes, it was uh, so important. Uh, so, for those not familiar, James Oglethorpe is fighting the Muslims in Serbia around 16, uh, 1714, 1718, and he then goes back to England, and he uh, has a friend, uh, he joins the parliament, and he has a friend die in debtor's prison. What's that? Well, in England, if you got put in prison, um, they wouldn't feed you. You would have to have somebody. <laughs> they would say, hey, where's Joe? And they would find out you're in prison, they'd bring you food. And so uh, when James Oglethorpe's friend died, he got into prison reformation, but then he decided to start a colony in the New World so that debtors and uh, persecuted Christians could have a fresh start. And so he comes over in 1732, and who does he have as the Anglican minister for his new colony but John Wesley? And who is his secretary but Charles Wesley? And uh, now Charles Wesley, um, you know, they were brothers, uh, but uh, Charles. Uh, was the uh, the youngest of like 18 children. And um, <laughs> he was born in 1707. Uh, his mother, raising all these 18 kids, uh, taught them all Latin and Greek in the classics. And he was brilliant and got a scholarship to Oxford. And he came under the notice of Garrett Wesley, uh, who was also in Parliament. He offers to adopt young Charles Wesley and have him be the one to inherit his enormous estate in Ireland. Uh, but Charles Wesley says no. And, uh, and so he, the estate ends up going to um, uh, Arthur Wellesley, who's the Duke of Wellington, who defeats Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. But um, nevertheless, Charles Wesley uh, writes 6,000 hymns. And uh, as you mentioned, 6, he's... 6,000? 6,000. And he's basically the the spiritual uh, impetus for the Wesleyan movement. And uh, the the Wesleys got their friend George Whitfield to uh, get touched by the Holy Spirit. He became a preacher. He came seven times to the United States, up and down. Ben Franklin printed George Whitfield's sermon to the start of the Great Awakening Revival. Could you imagine? He would preach to 20,000 people without a microphone. (laughs) You really had to belt it out. Um, But this revival spread. And uh, it helped unite the colonies prior to the uh, the Revolutionary War. But um, I love the the words that Charles Wesley wrote: um, "Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled." And so that's the the theme that you know. Theme, but Bill, um, what it is, it's really the gospel within these within these verses in this hymn and uh, in this Christmas carol. And, um, you know, this is what's interesting, is that the sound doctrine that's in these old hymns, that's in these Christmas carols, and people sing them every year, uh, and, you know, that's why I think caroling is so important, so that people, you know, who normally don't read the Bible, who normally don't, uh, you know, maybe even attend church, but they'll start reading, they'll start singing some of these carols uh, because of the season and to get in the spirit of things, and here they are actually reading the gospel and they're they're uh, reading scripture, and so I think that's so powerful. You know, one of the thing about the Wesleyans too is that they had association with the Morav- Moravian missionaries, 
And, of course, you've talked about that in your lecture series. The Moravians, of course, were really people on fire for the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, and to send missionaries out all around the world. Um, and you'd, you'd referenced uh, their relationship with the, the Moravian missionaries before they came back to America. Right. John Wesley uh, was invited by the Moravians uh, to a prayer meeting, and that's where it's called Aldersgate, uh, and then that's where he gets touched by the Holy Spirit. He gets, I was strangely warmed in my heart, and uh, and he goes over to Germany, to what's near Prague and in the Czech Republic, and he visits the Moravians, and um, the Moravians were started by Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Uh, for those not familiar, uh, Martin Luther starts the Reformation 1517 because he had a spiritual experience. Some princes wanted to break away from Rome. They said, this is our chance. And they said, kingdom of mine, you are all, all now Lutheran. And the people said, okay, okay, king, we're Lutheran. Uh, what do we believe? So for these, the people in these kingdoms, it was not necessarily the same personal experience with the Lord that Martin Luther had. So a revival movement starts in the Lutheran churches called pietism that uh, says being a Christian is more than than just agreeing with doctrine. You have to have a personal encounter with Jesus, <laughs> and when you do, your life will change, and you'll no longer go to the worldly bars and brothels and blue theaters and so forth. And uh, and so this uh, Moravian revival movement swept uh, and it influenced the Wesleys, and then this swept the colonies in America. And uh, anyway, I could go on and on, but. Um, at the same time that uh, Charles Wesley, uh, matter of fact, the year Charles Wesley was born, uh, there was another uh, church leader named Isaac Watts, and he's the one who wrote Joy to the World. And so it was really popular in the colonies at that time. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ. You know, it, it goes through the gospel message as well. And um, uh, handles Messiah. Uh, and the, the Come All Ye Faithful, this was a really popular one, published in 1751. Um, so what does that mean? That means that the colonists probably sang this, you know. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, um, singing, worship songs, is a Christian idea. Um, there's not a whole lot of singing that goes on in Islam. Matter of fact, uh, it's actually forbidden. Uh, they recite and they chant, but it's not making up a song in your heart uh, to, to God. They don't sing songs to Allah. Uh, Hinduism, there's 300 you know, million different gods. They're, every family basically has their own God, and they, they really don't have singing. Buddhism, you don't really sing to you know, the, whatever the, the belief system is. You, know, you, you do meditations and chantings and so forth and ums, uh, but it's not singing. Um, and uh, no, no, there is in Judaism, it says that Jesus sang a hymn with the uh, disciples before he went out to Mount, Mount of Olives and so forth. And, um, and the, the Bible talks about, you know, the trees of the field clapped their hands and, and the tambourine and, and Miriam's song, you know. I'll and, sing and, to the the Lord for say, and the scriptures say, sing a new song unto the Lord. I mean, I never thought about that, Bill. That's so true, that in Christianity and Judean Christian circles, it's about song. And some of the other religions are not. I mean, you, as you mentioned, Islam, uh, Hindu, Buddhists, they don't sing, they chant. Uh, but in Christ, Christendom, and, and of course uh, in, in um, Hebrew, uh, they do sing. And it, it's, it's, it's a Judean-Christian experience. I never thought about it like that. It's, it's fascinating. You know, one of the things that I heard recently, because I'm looking at the 
uh, American Minute on this that uh, actually prompted our interview. But uh, Susan Wesley homeschooled the 19 children that she birthed, among which was John and Charles, and taught them classical education, including Latin and Greek. And someone said to me, a hundred years ago in this country, we, we used to uh, learn Latin and Greek in, in high school. Now we're learning remedial English in, in uh, college. I, that's how far we've fallen off the mark in education in our, in our uh, country. It's, uh, it's very sad to, to see it. But go on. Well, you're hitting on a key point. Um, and one of the books I wrote, uh, you know, Who's the King in America? I go through all the world history, show the most common form of government is the king. And in these, you know, whether it's a pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsar, and only the kings in the upper class could read. Only 1% of Egypt could read. Reading and writing was the, the scribes' secret knowledge, and just the pharaohs and the scribes knew it. And, um, and they had, uh, you know, 10,000 Chinese characters. It was just for court records for the Chinese emperor. Uh, you know, there were 1,500 cuneiform characters in Sumeria. It was just for the kings. Um, when Moses comes down the mountain, he has the law in 22 characters. 22, it's so easy to learn. Kids could learn it. And so Israel is the first literate populace. And so we see for a country, and for 400 years, Israel didn't have a king. And it was the people that ruled, and each person individually was accountable to God. And um, and so you, you, we find out that uh, for a, a people to rule themselves without a king, the people need to be educated and moral. And uh, you give up morals and you give up education, then you have a populace that can be controlled by the deep state class that uh, they have all the secret knowledge and, and they're calling, pulling, calling the shots. So, um, so yeah, so uh, one of the different studies that I read, uh, Robert Woodbury, Baylor University, studied countries that uh, missionaries went to in the 1800s and found that the ones where Protestant conversionary missionaries went to, they ended up teaching everybody to read so they could read the Bible, but it produced a literate populace and uh, an upward mobility in society. And the ones where, you know, uh, other churches uh, that weren't conversionary um, uh, didn't teach the people to read. They just swapped out the pagan god for the Christian god, and, and the common person just um, learned how to obey the uh, the intermediary church leaders and um, and they didn't today don't have that upward mobility in those countries are poor and it's a repeatable study right and so the ones that they, they went to and they taught them to read taught them the Bible those countries are in fact more prosperous today and um, but w- one of the other uh, things I like to look at is some of the famous composers and uh, you know Johann Sebastian Bach uh, he wrote a Christmas oratorio. And um, Handel wrote the Messiah. Oh, the, 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 the Messiah is one of my favorites. Of course, he he wrote it all in one sitting, and he said as if he said it, it, it's as if he had because uh, he closed himself off into a room and he wrote it all in one sitting. And he said it's as if the heavens were opened onto me. He had obviously a spiritual experience. I love Handel's Messiah. Bill, your thoughts? Oh, definitely, and. There, you know, one of the uh, Supreme Court cases um, back in uh, 1948, it was McCullum versus Board of Education. Justice Jackson says it would not seem practical to teach arts if we were to forbid exposure of youth to any religious influence. Music without sacred music would be incomplete, even from a secular point of view. 
And so you go back in history, sacred music was a key part of it. You had Joseph Haydn, and he did a uh, Christmas Day performance. You have Mozart did a Christmas Eve performance. Uh, Felix Mendelssohn was a Lutheran composer. And um, matter of fact, his father was a Jewish rabbi, uh, uh, Moses Mendelssohn. But um, uh, Felix Mendelssohn wrote the tune for Hark the Herald Angel Sing. So Wesley wrote the words, and Mendelssohn wrote the, the tune. Um, then you have uh, Franz Liszt did a Christmas tree suite, and um, but then Beethoven, and he uh, wrote different um, Christmas pieces that became famous. And um, Isaac, so, Isaac so you, Watts, uh, Isaac Watts writing. Uh, composing joy to the world. Yes, yes. Um, so in my different presentations, I go through, you know, uh, all the different names. Robert Schumann did an album for young for Advent and Christmas. Advent was the days leading up to Christmas. Um, there's Brahms' Lullaby, and in German, we we all know the tune. You know, well, in German, it's a Christmas song. Um, and, um, then I could go on and on, but, um, it's fascinating when we, uh, and many of them were written during the civil war. And that's also a special period of time. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. We're talking with Bill Fetter, author and historian, and of course, uh, uh, the American Minute is something that you can receive every day in your inbox, uh, which is Today in American History, and also, uh, Bill is on the TCT Network, Faith in History. Um, uh, when can people tune in to you on TCT Network, Bill? Well, anytime if they want to go to uh, the tct.tv website or Roku uh, you can get it on demand, or they have to look at their schedule for the area. Um, oh, for, for the area, but, right. And and uh, we've been watching that program as well and enjoying your series on TCT and uh, your lectures there. Bill also has a number of books, uh, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran, uh, the, the Encyclopedia of Quotations, uh, so many books that Bill has written uh, over the years, and of course, the uh, story behind the real Santa Claus. Uh, but today we wanted to focus on uh, the great carols and hymns of the faith around the Christian and Christmas uh, theme. Uh, Bill, you know, this is this was a great uh, study here. Uh, how can also people get the American Minute? Well, my website's AmericanMinute.com, and I send out a free daily email called American Minute. And uh, the ones at this time of the year usually are on Christmas. Um, I actually talk about Valley Forge. And one of the Christmas songs that was popular in the States at that time was uh, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Uh, Let Nothing You Dismay, for Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Tidings of comfort and joy. Uh, talk about the, the gospel message in that. Wow. But... Um, Anyway, yeah, AmericanMinute.com, and uh, 
I did a book on Christmas called There Really is a Santa Claus, the History of St. Nicholas and Christmas Holiday Tradition. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the program today. And, uh, you know, this has been a real joy. And again, folks, I, I would encourage you to go to uh, Bill's website and, again, get the uh, email, AmericanMinute.com is a uh, way you can get there. Let's see if we uh, – uh, that is that the uh, web address, Bill? Correct, yes. AmericanMinute.com, and you can receive this in your inbox and, of course, see all the different books that Bill makes available. He's also available to be a speaker, so if you need uh, someone to come and speak at your church uh, or community group, uh, he's available for that as well. But go to AmericanMinute.com. Bill, thanks so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you, Chris, and uh, there, I don't know if I had a minute more before your break, um, but... Yes, go uh, ahead. The de- Okay, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were um, found in the 1940s and 50s, and lo and behold, a Jewish scholar found among them the sacerdotal rota. What's that? It was King David divided the sons of Aaron into 24 groups and gave them each a time to go to the temple. And he found the family of Abijah, and the time they go to the temple works out to being the end of September. Why is that important? Well, this... uh, now, the gospel says that the father of Zacharias was in the temple, and he was of the family of Abijah, the course of Abijah, which means he would have been in the temple around September 25th. That's when Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, usually is. And if his wife Elizabeth gets pregnant, six months later would be March 25th. And when Mary is visited by the angel, tells her she's going to have Jesus, uh, it says, and your cousin Elizabeth is in her sixth month which means the angel visits Mary around March 25th, and nine months later is December 25th. Lo and behold, the Dead Sea Scrolls help confirm that the date of Christmas uh, is historically December 25th. Well, you know, there's been some debate about that, and they said that normally shepherds are not in the field, but there is a particular group of uh, shepherds, and that is for lambs that are ready for the temple. Uh, So the shepherds, indeed, that were there that the angels came and appeared unto were probably shepherds overseeing the flock of uh, lambs that would eventually be sacrificed in the temple. And so how symbolic is that? Because Jesus was, of course, the Lamb uh, of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And we would just like to leave you with this verse of Scripture in Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you, my friends, and uh, God bless you, and we thank you for listening and supporting the News in Focus, and we love to come to you each week this at this same time. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, and Bill, thanks for coming on the program today, my friend, and God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Oh, well, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. God bless. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.